Good morning. I'm Wimala. Another bright, sunny, kind of warm day today. Supposed to get up to 70. So part of the country is starting to have lots of heavy snow, lots of bad weather, and we're having uh, unusually warm weather today. So climate change. Today we'll continue reading from Pema Chodron's book, How We Live is How We Die. And I think it's her newest book. The, each chapter has, uh, you know, is carrying her, her message across, but they're all different stories. So you can read them separately or, um, read them in order. I'm reading in order, but I'm not reading every chapter. So when you get your own copy, there'll be a lot new. This one, let's see. This one is uh, chapter 10, and it's uh, called Propensities. Before going any further in describing the journey after death and the experiences of the next bardos, and those are the next transitions, I think it's important to take a pause and present some words from the heart about how to work with our mind, our emotions, and our propensities. Why is that? It's because how we work with our mind, emotions, and propensities while journeying through the ups and downs of the bardo of this life is what we'll take with us as we travel forward. They say you can't take it with you, but when it comes to our states of mind, our state of mind, and our emotional patterns, we do take them with us. And just as our thoughts and emotions create our experience of the world right now, in that same way, and even more intensely, they will create the environment we find ourselves in after death. If you want to experience heaven, Work with your thoughts and emotions. If you want to avoid hell, hell, work with your thoughts and emotions. It's like that. Therefore, in the next several chapters, I will give some practical instructions on how to connect skillfully and compassionately with our habitual patterns and emotions. When Trungpa Rinpoche was asked what goes through the bardos, he answered with a big smile, all your bad habits. That's the quote I really like. I took this to mean that whatever habits I hadn't befriended and let go of in this life would travel forward through the intermediate state to be passed on to some poor infant in the future. Back in the 70s, when my son and daughter were teenagers, I took them and their friend to meet His Holiness, the 16th Karmapa, one of the teachers who meant the most to me. My children aren't Buddhists, but they've always been friendly in relation to the Dharma, and they were willing to humor their enthusiastic mother. Sounds like my kids. <laughs> exactly. His Holiness didn't speak English, so we communicated through an interpreter. I asked the Karmapa if he could speak to the children, and he started giving them a little teaching on Buddhism. 
When he paused after a little bit, I told him respectfully that the children weren't Buddhist, and I asked if he could say something that would be meaningful to them, despite their lack of background. His Holiness the Karmapa was a big, awe-inspiring man, and we were sitting quite close to him. He looked at the three teenagers intensely, and he said, You are going to die. <laughs> then he added, and you won't take anything with you but your state of mind. What Trungpa Rinpoche said about bad habits was a relative teaching about what goes through the bardos. Ken McLeod's comments that actually nothing goes through the bardos are from an absolute point of view. The Karmapa's words to the teenagers were a little bit of both. For what exactly did he mean by your state of mind. These words sound like they describe something static, but as I've said, our state of mind is always changing. We continuously go from one state of mind to another. There is only this flow of mind, a mind stream. Nevertheless, our mind stream follows a certain course, which is not random. Its course is determined by our habits, our tendencies, our propensities. What does this mean? In the Buddhist teachings on karma, the teachings on cause and effect, whatever we do, say, or even think makes an imprint on our mind. When we do something once, we're likely to do it again. When we react to a situation in a certain way, we're likely to react the same way next time that situation comes up. This is how propensities develop. As a result, we usually behave and react predictably. In some particular circumstances, we're very generous. In others, we're self-protective. In some, we're tolerant. In others, irritable. In some, confident. In others, insecure. And every time we react in our habitual ways, we strengthen our propensities. This is similar to the findings in neuroscience that show how pathways in our brain get reinforced by our habitual actions and thinking patterns. Say you have a propensity to feel inadequate, especially about your work. You're in the office talking to two co-workers and your supervisor barges in and says, you people did a lousy job. The supervisor is actually criticizing all three of you, but you're the one with the strong propensity to take it personally, so you feel totally wretched, as if it's all your fault. There's already a long history behind your propensity, and the supervisor's comment seems to add to the evidence against you. Now you go into a familiar storyline. I never get it right. I'm worthless. I'm hopeless. I always blow it. You experience yourself as a loser. And beneath all these concepts is a horribly unpleasant emotion that you would do anything to get rid of. In this scenario, it might seem like the cause of your suffering is your supervisor's words. However, the words are only the trigger. The actual cause is your pre-existing propensity. 
It's important to mention here that the point of saying this isn't to blame the victim. All three of you agree that the supervisor's words were mean-spirited and insensitive, but at the same time, it's important to see the full picture of what's going on. Your propensity to feel inadequate was already a recurring theme in your life. Hearing, you did a lousy job, was the trigger that provided the right conditions for it to fully emerge. It's like a crocus bulb that lies dormant under the earth for much of the year, and in the spring, with the right causes and conditions, suddenly comes out as a brilliant flower. In this example, the other two people receiving criticism have completely different experiences because of their own propensities. One of them has a propensity to get furious and take action, so he marches off to the supervisor in a towering rage, prints up some banners, and gets a whole gang of people to sign a petition. The third person doesn't get triggered in any defensive way, but she still acts based on her own propensity. Her go-to response is any uncomfortable work situation, in any uncomfortable work situation, is to become the peacemaker. So she acknowledges that the supervisor's speech was unskilled and encourages the whole group to take part in a workshop on effective and nonviolent communication. And I look back on what the Karmapa told my children, I now think he meant something along these lines. When you die, all you'll take with you is your propensities. And with that came some powerful unspoken advice. So you better take good care of your propensities now, while you still have time. We already have ample experience with the trouble our propensities cause in our current lifetime. Our unhelpful thought patterns and self-destructive emotional habits have undermined us repeatedly. Not only do our propensities disturb us, disturb us internally, but they also manifest as difficult outer situations. Some people always have a problem with their boss. No matter how many times they change jobs, they constantly find themselves in the same uncomfortable situations. Some people have problems with intimacy in relationships. No matter who they date, their intimacy issue persists. The actors change, the movie set changes, but the basic drama remains the same. This is because our propensities are the authors of the script. Another thing about these propensities is that they don't stop by themselves. We have to recognize them when they arise and not be so predictable. Over and over again, we have to find our way to do something different. If not, they will follow us for the rest of our life. We can go even further and say they'll follow us beyond this life, through the bardos and into our next life, writing scene after scene after scene. They will create the outer and inner circumstances of our next moment, our next day, our next life, and then all our lives to come. 
The other side of the coin is that because of the strong interconnected relationship between our mind and our world, we will often find that changing our mental and emotional habits has a powerful effect on our outer experience. It seems like a miracle, but it's quite simple and straightforward if you think about it. If you work with your propensity to get jealous, it will seem like there are fewer and fewer people to envy. If you work with your anger, people won't make you so mad. So how do we take good care of our propensities? We get to know them with kindness and intelligence. We acknowledge how powerful they are, but we don't make them the enemy. One of my teachers, Sokni Rinpoche, calls them our beautiful monsters and advises us to treat them with tenderness, not acting them out or repressing them, but making friends with them just as they are. Then, when a person or an event triggers our painful emotions, we can distinguish between the trigger and the propensity. We can ask ourselves as openly and as objectively as possible, what is the main cause of my suffering? Is it my supervisor or is it my propensities? This kind of closeness and friendship with our propensities creates the right causes and conditions for them to loosen up and unwind. I love that her describing that process. Make friends of them and then allow them to loosen up and just unwind, just unravel. For instance, you've been getting into a lot of arguments with your partner and now you see them laughing and smiling with another person. Immediately the pain of jealousy arises in your heart. But instead of habitually reacting to that jealousy, say by getting drunk or speaking in a passive-aggressive way, you can ask yourself, what is the cause of my pain? Is it the laughing and smiling, or is it my pre-existing propensity to get jealous? Then you can check in with your body and get in touch with that propensity. How does it feel? Is it tight or loose? contracted or expansive? Does it have a temperature, a color, a special quality? If you investigate the unpleasant feeling of jealousy with mindfulness and gentleness, you will learn much about it. You will see your history with it. You will start to notice patterns. You will see that this feeling often arises in your life and that you tend to make a mess when it does. This could be the beginning of your taking care of the propensity. This could be the beginning of seeing that your propensities are just fluid sensations having nothing to do with good and bad. This could be, I'm going to read that again, I like that sentence. This could be the beginning of seeing that your propensities are just fluid sensations, having nothing to do with good or bad. Once you've learned something about this process, you could, of course, go in less helpful directions. You could simply go on with your usual way of doing things. 
as unaffected by your self-reflection as if you had just learned some unimportant fact about a subject that doesn't mean much to you. Even worse, you could use your self-knowledge to beat yourself up. I have this terrible propensity which makes me a terrible person. Even though I'm embarrassed to behave like this, I'm doomed to continue acting out of jealousy for the rest of my life. And, you know, we hear that a lot from people who say, I've, I've just always been like this. It's never going to change. Neither of these options will do anything to help us make friends with our beautiful monsters. We will keep thinking and acting in the same ways, strengthening our propensities and making ourselves unnecessarily miserable. It will be like finding undesirable seeds in our garden and giving them more water and nutrients to grow. The most helpful alternative is to look objectively is what is happening and try to learn something from it, something that will enable us to see clearly how to proceed. This way of working with our propensities in our daily life will definitely pay off when we die. Before death, when actually dying and beyond that, people predictably experience a wide range of strong emotions and how we relate to them is important. Good chapter. Propensity gets to be, she, that word came up a thousand times. It's that those are our tendencies. And that's the direction we'll go in if we're, if we're not, uh, really aware. We'll always go with what's familiar with, with what's our tendency to do in certain, uh, situations. So, lots to, lots to be aware of. So today, I'm, I only have about five minutes to meditate with you. I have a, uh, a medical appointment that I have to make. So I'm just going to do a very short practice with you and I hope you can continue after I have to leave in about five minutes. So. There's a lot to just let be in your minds and you can just let's just let this be tranquility, some calmness, some samatha. If you can, close your eyes and just be aware of the body breathing. In through the nose and out through the nose. We stay with that area just around the nostrils to be aware of the ingoing and outgoing breath. Or we can be aware of our tummies coming out a bit when we inhale, contracting a little bit when we exhale. Pick one of those spots and just, just let your awareness of the breath be on those two areas one of those two areas. In whatever position you're in, on the floor, or walking, or sitting, you can lift your spine up. Your body feels awake. 
Just let everything go. I'll keep sitting if you can. I have to leave early. So thank you for being part of my practice. We can set our intentions by virtue of the merit that we've, we've gained. May everything we do and say and think today be not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all living beings. So thank you. If, you. if you feel propensities arise, remember to make them your friend so you can, <clears throat> so you can work with them. Just let them calm down and unwind themselves. They're neither good nor bad. So thank you. I'll see you tomorrow.